The End of the World Part 2 as we break down The Ultimate Doom Part 2 on this Energon Entries. Welcome back to Energon Entries, everybody. As always, this is your host, Matt Freights, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Hope this finds you well, and let's get into part two of The Ultimate Doom, a three-part series. The episode opens with Cybertron in Earth's orbit and natural disasters briefly ending the conflict between the Autobots and Decepticons at the beginning of the episode. Starscream is skeptical of letting the Autobots escape, but meets Megatron's wrath as he chokes his second-in-command for defying him. Soundwave's audio wave disruptor provides interference with the hypnochips on the human slaves, but does disrupt the Autobots from getting away. Dr. Arkaville is able to fix the issue with Sparkplug, but needs materials to fix them for all of the chips. The Autobots find themselves scattered due to the extreme weather patterns because of Cybertron's orbit. Bumblebee and Spike nearly fall into an earthquake fissure, and Spike is kidnapped by Laserbeak. So this is the second Witwicky now to be kidnapped by Laserbeak in this series. The Seekers are flying Energon cubes to and from Cybertron while the human slaves continue to act as a meat shield against Autobot attacks. Dr. Arkaville is skeptical of Megatron's ultimate plan, but doesn't realize that Megatron plans to leave him a fully depleted Earth to rule when all is said and done. The storms have caused the Decepticons problems as now their underwater base begins to flood. And at this point, the Autobots and Dinobots are doing their best to mitigate as many of the natural disasters and their results as possible. Optimus Prime learns that Sparkplug is on Cybertron, and after a debate, Spike volunteers to go save him, and Optimus Prime agrees. A contingent of Autobots make it to Cybertron and infiltrate Shockwave's lair, where they are found. They learn of the hypnochips, but Sparkplug sounds an alarm as the episode ends, letting the Decepticons know that the Autobots are here. And we start, of course, this episode with a narrator recap. Last time on the Transformers. I love this voice. I can't do it very well. I tried it last episode. I'm going to try it again. It is what it is. I just love that voice. It's iconic. It brings me back to being like three or four years old, starting to watch the show. And then, of course, watching it when I was like seven, eight or nine. Man, there's just nostalgia feels all over it. Starscream, of course, can't help himself but try and take over. This is a continual thing with him. I've asked this many times. Why does Megatron keep him around? I don't really understand. But one thing you got to love about this show, no matter how serious the content or whatever battles are happening, there's always puns. And 80s content, especially the cartoons, was full of puns. They always get me. I love puns. They just make me laugh. They make me giddy. They're silly. They're stupid. They're dad jokes, but they're funny. And I think that's what makes the 80s very charming. And I think that's what makes the Transformers charming as a result, even as a 41-year-old man. Soundwave can produce audio disruptor waves, and this seems to be a fun new power of his. He seems to be able to do a lot. Not only can he make Energon cubes, but he has tapes, four of them at a time, in him. Oh, and now he has audio disruptor waves, which seem to be able to, I don't know, make the Autobots deaf, but also seems to cause problems with chips. So it seems like with great power comes great responsibility. Not to quote Marvel there, but I mean, it is true. And it greatly affects the Autobots, but it doesn't affect the Decepticons. I don't really understand this because don't they have the same audio receptors? Uh, it seemed it seemed that way. 
Maybe it's because of the direction in which the waves are flowing. This seems to be a cartoon thing, and continuity really isn't big in the 80s, so it's kind of like, oh, this thing is ruining it for the Autobots. Just keep moving forward, folks. It was noticeable that Megatron was more violent towards Starscream in this episode for defying him. I mean, he actually choked him. This is a hostile work environment, folks. I think we can all agree. Megatron is a hostile leader, albeit very, very smart and very, very tactical, but he's definitely not a great leader. Starscream, for his part, always seems to try to take over things and is always kind of a source of consternation for Megatron. But for some reason, it seemed like, well, in the first episode, things didn't go fully as planned for Megatron. And Starscream kind of points it out and says, do we really want to let the Autobots get away? So he chokes him. It's a pretty graphic visual for an 80s cartoon as a kid. And I don't know if I'd want my son emulating that. But I'm not really here to debate morality with you. It's just something that I noticed. I do love the fact that Casey Kasem does a bunch of the voices. There is a lot of nostalgia in his voice. I remember as a kid listening to the Casey Kasem Top 100 or Top 50 or whatever it was, and he just had that iconic radio voice. But he didn't just have a radio voice. He obviously had a great voiceover voice because you can hear it in a lot of the Autobots specifically. I know it's Cliff Jumper, and I know there's some others. I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but what I do know is that when I hear it, I know it. And Casey Kasem just has that nostalgia feel. And if you grew up listening to his voice, you probably feel the same way when you hear it. The Autobots are vehicles. We know this. And I've always talked about or I have been adamant about why do they drive everywhere? This seems very inefficient. One thing we've not seen up until this point is them having actual car trouble because all the miles that they drive, you'd think that they would have some type of an issue. They do have to have repairs after battles. Ratchet's ready for that. But in this episode, Bumblebee blows a tire. Can you believe that? Haven't seen anything like that. Does he have a spare tire? How do they fix that? And Bumblebee needed Spike's help to change his own tire. That seems a little bit backwards. They are robots that can transform. They have high technology. But when it comes to the rudimentary changing of tires, let's let the humans deal with that. That seems a little bit backwards to me, but hey, Spike and Bumblebee have a great friendship and that seems to be back. We've kind of switched back and forth. Spike doesn't really know who he wants to hang out with. At first it's Hound and then it's Bumblebee. I think he and Bumblebee make a little bit more sense, although Hound is one of my favorite Autobots, so maybe I'm a little bit biased toward him. But I do feel like we're now getting to the point where Bumblebee and Spike are going to be a pair going forward. Windcharger has a tractor beam. Did everybody know this? I did not learn this. I love learning new powers for these guys, but it's funny because I'm sure that would have come in handy a few times in the first couple of episodes. It always seems that whenever an Autobot or a Decepticon has a power to unveil, it's always needed right just then for the exact problem that they're dealing with right then. I love that about this show. I'm, I'm sure that happens in a lot of 80s shows, but it's really fun that Windcharger has this at his disposal. So, of course, he uses it, and it's very, very successful. The Decepticons are using, once again, the Autobots' love for humans to their advantage. Again, they should do this every time. They should not wait. They should exploit this as often as possible. And the question that I have, though, as it relates to the Dinobots, is are they still kept in their cave? Why aren't they allowed to roam free with the other Autobots? It's almost like they're slaves? I don't want to necessarily bring that up again, but... Obviously, we have human slaves, as in the last episode, and the Dinobots are stuck in a cave. If you can't trust them, why are they even there? Why are you not allowing them to roam free? That seems a little odd. They call on them when they need them. They're almost like indentured servants. It's a little uncomfortable, if you ask me. Environmental disasters created by Cybertron's orbit affecting the Decepticons as well. This was a matter of time before the volcano the Autobots used for headquarters would become active again. 
I think these are the kinds of consequences we don't see very often in this show because it's like major battle, major battle, major battle, no infrastructure damage. And the Autobots have their headquarters in a volcano, an active volcano, no problems, never see any lava. And because of these natural disasters and because of Cybertron being in Earth's orbit, both the Autobots and Decepticons at their base are having problems. It's refreshing to see this, if I'm quite honest with you. Tons of rocks in the lava can plug it, which is interesting because it seems like the lava would burn through some of the rock, but I'm not a geologist. I don't really know a whole lot about lava, but hey, there you go. They have a solution and they have it right just then as they're facing this problem. The Dinobots are not very smart in general, but boy, they're smart enough to stop a tidal wave and they're shown working together. These are some things we've not seen about the Dinobots. So if this is true about them, if they're smarter and they're working together, Maybe don't keep them in a cave. Maybe let them be a part of the Autobots. Maybe you'd actually get a little team building, a little chemistry going on. Just something that I'm suggesting to Optimus Prime at some point. Skyfire's size is sort of up for debate, it seems, because his internal cabin once held a crew of Autobots in vehicle mode, but now it looks like it's small enough only for just a few robots in robot mode. How big is he? Sometimes he transforms in the base. Sometimes he transforms outside. I have absolutely no idea. It seems like he's as big as they need him for whatever job they need him to do. I have to say, though, Spike, his plan was terrible. Gets a Cybertron. What's the plan? There is no plan. Let's just infiltrate the lab. Shockwave finds them. Well, we're going to talk my dad into doing this. And of course you're not because he actually has a chip. You don't even know what's going on. Just didn't seem like a really good plan. Spike always seems to be in trouble. This time his dad is in trouble. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to save the day and kind of do it unsuccessfully. So the episode ends, obviously, with another cliffhanger, as we know that there is a part three. As I said last time, they don't ruin the next episode. They ask questions. It makes you want to watch the episode. Overall, this was your filler episode. Some things move forward. Some things didn't. We know there's going to be an ending. We know the Autobots are going to win the day. The question is, how? And we will find out next episode. I want to thank everybody for supporting. However it is that you support, wherever it is that you're listening, just make sure to hit subscribe, share it with your friends, whoever you think is applicable. I hope this finds you well, and I hope this finds you safe. And I will talk to you next time. This is Energon Entries. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Energon entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.